0: You'll see from the table set out here that we've got wine glasses, there's bread underneath here. We're going to be sharing communion in a few moments' time. And I thought it might be uh, good to uh, explore what the meaning is behind this, behind communion. Some Some churches call it the Mass. Some churches, Eucharist, sometimes the Lord's Supper. And see the special significance in it. Sometimes it's, uh, it's uh, little known and people might be interested. Sometimes people have been taking it for years, but perhaps need to be reminded. I was reminded of that with a story. Um, this little girl was watching her mum cook the, uh, the meat. And her mum always cook the end of the meat off put it in the tin and put it in the oven. She said, why do you do that, Mum? And she said, oh, it's, I think, anyway, it's so all the juices can get into the meat. That's what my mum said. I'm sure I've got it from my mum. You'd better phone up your grandma. So she phoned up her grandma. Why do you cut the ends off the meat? And grandma said, oh, it's so the, uh, the ends get all crackly and, um, and, and hard and um, people like that. I think that's right Anyway. You'd better ask my mum, your great-grandma. So she phoned up her great-grandma. Great-grandma, why does our family cut the ends off the meat? Well, she said, I'd never got a tin that was big enough. (laughs) And so we cut the ends off. Sometimes you just do things and you don't know quite why you're doing them. So hopefully... What I'll say will be of interest to everyone. I'm going to uh, get Maggie to read us three portions of the Bible, all one after the other, um, from uh, uh, the book of, of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. Let me just explain. So that's uh, the first letter to the church at the town of Corinth. Let's um, see that, shall we? Oh, the, the picture okay. And uh, because Corinth was and, and is a town, um, the one after that, that's right, in, in Greece. Greece has been very much in the news recently, hasn't it? And, um, and this, it, you can see where it is, just in that narrow strip of land, just quite near to Athens. Some of you may have been in that area on holiday. Paul, the Apostle Paul, was writing to the church that had been set up in that place, Thank you. Next one. And that's a picture of, uh, of Corinth today. And you may or may not see there's some of the ancient ruins of the old town as well as the new town. And I tell you this because it's a real place. And it, as we read the Bible, this was a real situation in that new church as we were trying to figure out what was going on um, uh, very early on in the, uh, in the Christian world. It's a very narrow strip of land and it was, uh, so it was a port. Ships came in, were unloaded, trans, uh, transported across. The goods were about four miles and then onto another ship. They thought about buy, building a canal but they couldn't do it. But in, thank you Colin, about um, 1900, they built a canal through this narrow strip and, and it's there now. So i just tell you this, just to say this is real. It's not invented, it's a, a real situation. And... Uh, and in this church, they'd got things wrong. They were not a perfect church, and that doesn't exist, led by imperfect ministers who get names of babies wrong sometimes, but thankfully on the day I got it right, who trip over cables and, um, uh, and cut off the, the music. And uh, none of the the regular worshippers here, I think, would ever claim to be perfect. This church was far from perfect, and it gives us a great insight into this, this early church. And Paul tells them off in the first part, and then leads them on. So let's hear that first reading, please, Maggie.
1: The reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and first parties verses 17 to 22, and it's about the Lord's Supper. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. No doubt there are divisions among you. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat, for as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not.
0: Thank you, Maggie. If you pause for a moment. <laughs> so he told them off. They weren't getting it right. Now, if you were listening get, about getting drunk and, uh, and uh, all of that, I mean, you'd hardly get drunk on that amount of wine, would you? And it's also non-alcoholic. Um, but it was very different in those days. It was, a, it was more of a normal meal, and uh, he wasn't uh, saying it was wrong to drink wine, he wasn't saying it was uh, wrong to, to meet together, but at this time it was wrong, because some were going hungry and others were eating too much. There wasn't a sense of family, there wasn't a sense of togetherness, there was all sorts of divisions. Their lifestyle didn't match to what they were, they were doing. And he says in verse 17, the first slide, uh, Colin, um, uh, you do more harm than good what a terrible thing they come to church and then you feel worse after it than, than when, uh, when you go and, uh, and then it talks about divisions and so what he was encouraging them to do was all share together and that's one of the reasons why it's individual cups and uh, it's individual pieces of bread so when we come to that we'll all Eat and drink together at one, so- at one time. There's no superiority. We're all together. Hopefully we've learned from this. This is perhaps what we need to take from this first part of the reading. That they had got it wrong there. And sometimes, if we're honest, we get it wrong as individuals and as churches. Maybe St. Paul's this last week have got it wrong with the protesters. Perhaps it was an opportunity to give a really prophetic message about life and life in in this time, but maybe they've got it wrong. But, thankfully, there's a way out. And so he taught them, Paul taught them, and let's hear the second reading, please, Maggie, about... He, he taught them what this Holy Communion is about.
1: For I receive from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this (coughs) cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.
0: Just have the previous slide up there, Colin. Verse 23. So what Paul said... Was this? For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night when He was betrayed, that was the last—what we now call the Last Supper—where <coughs> just before that uh, Jesus was going to the cross, He sat down with His disciples, and He was betrayed by Judas. Maybe He was getting them thinking of how they'd betrayed Him now. And Jesus says, told Paul. Paul received from him how he took bread said this is my body and when he broke it although the disciples wouldn't have understood at that time they perhaps now understand that this was his, like his body which was broken on the cross and as the wine is poured out it reminds us of the blood that we shed and this is what Paul was saying that the people need to concentrate on, not about other things, but that this is getting us to concentrate on the cross. For Christians believe, and this reenacts, that Jesus, we remember it at the Easter story, Jesus died on the cross. His body was broken, his blood was shed. And we believe that that was so that Jesus could take the punishment for all the sins that we do. He took the punishment. And when we take the bread, when we drink the wine, we're remembering his broken body and his spilt blood. And as we take it into ourselves, this is what Paul was saying. It's saying, yes, I accept that. I accept I've got it wrong. I accept I've sinned and I want your forgiveness. The forgiveness that can only be through the cross. And the church had to learn it. All have to learn that as we take the bread and the wine, it's very significant, and when we come to it, we'll pray that something special happens. And I don't want to go into all the different theories about what, what happens, but something sp- certainly happens spiritually that we can take it into ourselves and it's saying, yes, I love you, Lord. Accept that I've got it wrong. I've, I've sinned. I've, I've messed up. And that was so significant to that church that we had messed it up because they were being hypocritical. And the church has sometimes been accused of that and often they're right. And that's why when we come to to this, we're all sinners and we come to to receive. Let's hear the last reading, shall we, Maggie?
1: Therefore, Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further directions.
0: Thank you, Maggie. We we'll have the start of that reading up again, verse 27. This sounds like bad news to me. You've got to, if you uh, eat and drink in an unworthy manner, then uh, you, uh, you bring that judgment. So who, who can possibly take this? Certainly not me, perhaps you think, because I've already told you how I mess up. Which one of us can take this bread and the wine? You see, there's a false understanding that we need to achieve some sort of level of goodness. And we look around, well, I'm better than that person, perhaps not as good as that person, but maybe I'm okay to take. That's not how it works. All of us have got it wrong. One of the cards says uh, that uh, I handed out earlier, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all got it wrong. And so all we can do is just come to the table of uh, of God and say, I'm sorry, Lord. There's no excuses, there's no uh, ifs and buts, we just say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me by the sacrifice you made on the cross. And the Lord will forgive us. And so everybody who has that attitude is welcome to receive. And when we come to, uh, to distribute it, if you want to just come to God and say, Oh, I'm sorry, I've, I've messed up. Please forgive me. Then that's wonderful. And the, uh, you can take the bread, we'll all eat together. You can take the wine, we'll all drink together as one. As people who have got things wrong but want to be forgiven. And the good news is, in verse 32, if you can find that a little bit later on there, When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned. And Jesus said this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's then also a reading from one of these cards. That there is hope. There is salvation. This is good news that all of us can come and receive and have our sins forgiven. But more than that, when we take the bread and the wine into ourselves, we're saying, yes, Lord, I want you to help me live out my life. Over the last year and a bit, we have particularly be concentrated on this chur- in this church about that Christianity isn't just for Sunday. It's for each day of the week. And as when we come to the Lord we can take the bread and the wine into ourselves and say, Lord, may your Holy Spirit be with me, not only now, but on Monday morning at work or, or Tuesday or Wednesday or at home when I'm trying to bring up the kids or um, uh, in the community with a neighbour who uh, I can't get on with and just help me to live out my life. And that is also uh, good news. And I'm, I wonder that as we take this communion... Perhaps just to let God speak to you. And let's see what happens when that does happen. Sometimes churches get it wrong, as this church did in this reading, and, and we've got it wrong sometimes here. And as a church we need to say sorry Lord and help us. But I'll just end with another piece of good news. A church that seemed to be getting it right. A couple of weeks ago, I uh, went down to, uh, to Bristol to see uh, my, my daughter is at university there. And we attended a church, and they seemed to be getting it right. There was such a mix of people. Um uh, People who seem to be rich, people who seem to be poor, people of all different colours and nationalities, different age groups, lots of kids there. But then they they stopped the service to congratulate a lady who was 96 that day. And then uh, as uh, the service proceeded, seven people were baptised, seven adults. All of them had stories, we didn't hear their stories. But they had to change the order a little bit as to who was uh, baptised last because one young man was there who had to be baptised last because his face was still bleeding and they didn't want the water to get the blood. He had agreed to be baptised but on the night before this service somebody had bottled him. You could tell that, you know, he's had a tough life, having a tough life. He'd spent the night in hospital having his face stitched, but he was still weeping. But he still wanted to go through with the baptism. I'm sure it won't be easy for him, but the church was right behind him. And this man was supporting him, who looked a well-dressed, perhaps professional sort of man. How good it is that they can come together and help. And this man went into the baptistry and said, I just want to love Jesus. I want to live for him. And then he was baptised. And it's so good that uh, God changes people. God changed the church in Corinth, which we've been hearing about. God can change us for the better so that uh, our lives can be enriched. And as our lives are enriched, we can enrich others. Thank you so much for for listening to uh, the message today. I hope God has, has said something to each one of us.